stuck inside the freezer, bro. The Ginger Beer Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. My name is Shane Kelly, the brewmaster of Interstellar Ginger Beer. With me today is my very good friend and business partner, Daniel Sims. Daniel, hey, what's up? what's up, guys? Shane, good to be here with you, man. It's good to have you, man. I've, um, I already did two podcasts and I haven't had you on. I felt like I had a little bit of like separation anxiety. Like I, I needed <laughs> you to be there, you know? Well, I'm always there in spirit, if not in body. You're definitely there in spirit. And a lot of times that comes through loud and clear. So, um, so my first impression of you is I remember meeting you at like what a, a young Americans for Liberty meeting philosophy, philosophy club, club. philosophy oh. club, UAB. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, Philosophy Club. And um, Daniel was seriously, legitimately the nicest person I've ever met. And I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him <laughs> because, like, I don't know, I messed up. Like, I had a bad uh, childhood or something. Uh, sorry, Mom, if you're listening. I love you very much. And Dad. Uh, but, like, I didn't trust him. I was like, who's this guy that's so nice? He's obviously up to something. It's the beady eyes. It's the beady eyes. That's what it is. <laughs> what is beady eye? Oh yeah, the beady eyes. You know, oh, like the he's beady got eye. the beady eyes. <laughs> I thought that was a um, like a uh, what is it called? Like a um, yeah, all the old time gangsters, man. All the old time gangsters have the beady eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been that. <clears throat> all right, man. So let's do a brief history on you. Um, where'd you grow up? Well, pretty much uh, Alabama born, Alabama bred. You know, I traveled around a lot, though. I was in the military, uh, had the opportunity to live overseas, different cities, different states, different countries. Uh, I really enjoy traveling. And, uh, you know, I look at it not just as a time to go out and have fun, but, you know, go out and learn about different cultures, different places, history. You know, I always loved history. And I think traveling and history really go together. Uh, so even though, like I said, you know, Alabama is my home. It's kind of where I grew up. It's where I live, where I, you know, plan to live in the future. But I think it's important to also expand your uh, borders, you know, beyond beyond Alabama, beyond the United States, and kind of see a little bit of everywhere. Are you required to get a tattoo from every location or country that you go? Visit? I am not required, but I do it anyway. All right, so a uh, little clarity on that. Do you find a new artist in each uh, country that you go to? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, usually before we travel, that's one of the things that we, we do, we kind of enjoy doing. My, you know, my wife, Alice, and I, is we'll find a good, reputable shop. You know, it's, it's clean. It has a good reputation. And uh, as part of the uh, visit, we'll go by and get a tattoo done. Uh, I think you saw the one, the little Paris tattoo I have on my, uh, on my leg. And, uh, yeah, we just found a nice shop in Paris went in and had it done. And then when Allison was living in Paris, she actually went back to the same shop and had the uh, fleur-de-lis uh, done on her leg. That's pretty neat. Um, so um, were the French um, polite to you when you were getting this tattoo? Gosh, the French. Yes, the French. <laughs> wee wee. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, Europeans in general are, are pretty nice to Americans. I think that literally they see every American as, uh, you know, having a lot of money. So, of course, they're going to have an incentive to be nice to us. Uh, but, you know, that's just, just kind of just my take on, uh, you know, a lot of travel in general. You know, when you're a tourist, they're going to be nice to you just because they see you as, you know, one of their main sources of bill. income. A dollar bill. As opposed to a euro. 
All right, so let's get into your business entrepreneur history as the uh, more business-minded of the two of us because, ladies and gentlemen, we are a a dynamic duo. We complement each other very well with Shane being the beer dude, kind of the brewer, and Daniel, although he loves drinking beer, not knowing very much how to brew it, although we used to brew beer together. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but um, definitely uh, has way more history in business than me and uh, more of a mind for it and excel like likes it more i guess right yeah well we both have our strengths so that and that's good we both comp like you said we both complement each other right so uh let's go into your business history like um we don't have to go all the way back to your first job but just like <laughs> you know wh- wherever you want to go and you know with that well i guess you know from an early age i've always been interested in uh you know ec- economics i guess and business um kind of one of my earliest memories was going to chicago with my dad for business and I uh, went to the Chicago Museum of Natural History, and it just so happens they were having a, a, a taste test there for, uh, I think it was Kit Kat candy bars. And uh, I went in there, and I, I tasted them. I told them, you know, which Kit Kat was my favorite. And then I came back out, and I started thinking, like, wow, this Kit Kat is really different. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a Snickers. It's not like a Reese cup. And I just started, to, they didn't call it a Kit Kat. But I started imagining like, well, you know, who would buy this? You know, where would they, you know, where would they sell it? You know, and who would be interested in it? And that was one of my first kind of early memories of of business was the idea of who would buy uh, Kit Kat candy bars. Hmm. I am a humongous fan of Kit Kat candy bars. Great texture. Are the target market. That's right. I love them. Um, Okay. So one of your uh, first memories was uh, checking out some Kit Kats and uh, thinking about, who would buy this is very important to have customers. Um, so where did you go from there? Well, I was pretty young at that time. I mean, this was like, maybe I was 10. Uh, and, uh, and from there, you know, just the regular things you do, you know, growing up as a kid, but you know, always in the back of my mind, just the, the idea of, of business and entrepreneurship, even though I didn't actually call it entrepreneurship, it's always very interesting to me. Um, and grew up a family, didn't have a lot of money, uh, so it was always important, you know, that if I if I wanted something, you know, I kind of had to provide for myself. So uh, probably one of the earliest business experiences was uh, cutting grass. I mean, that is the kind of the all American thing, <laughs> very cliche, but uh, it pays great. You know, when you're 12, 13 years old, you can cut a grass, make decent money, and uh, I was actually figuring out what I was making per hour. And I was quite impressed with myself. I was nice. like, hey, I'm doing pretty good here, you know, for a 12-year-old. How many lawns did you eventually service? Wow. You know, the thing is, you know, you'd have customers come in and drop. You know, you'd have some that would go stay with you for a full summer. Some that would just, you know, just to cut their grass once or twice. But I imagine uh, in a weekend, I think the most I ever cut was maybe, not not 20, but like maybe 18 or 19. But hey. The money was great. That's a pretty large operation, man. That's very impressive. You know, when I was a kid, I had like two or three lawns and I hated it. I, I, I wanted to go play baseball. <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, can I go play baseball now? Like, I already cut the neighbor's lawn. Let's go. <laughs> like, yeah, I love me some sports. Well, sports sure. is fun, but uh, just, I don't know, having that money in my pocket made me made me pretty happy. The, the part I always hated, though, is uh, when you had to spend it. I was like, is there a way I can spend the money but keep it? Right. Didn't ever, uh, yeah, didn't ever figure that one out though. Right. 
Okay, so uh, tell me more about like maybe your first like job or first venture into entrepreneurship. Well, you know, that's once again getting back to the whole. Besides I, cutting grass, forgive me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so when I figured out my hourly wage cutting grass, I was really pleased. You know, oh, 13 years old, I'm really making some decent money. So I was really disappointed in my first job at a grocery store, making minimum wage an hour. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I was making more money cutting grass. Uh, but uh, at the time, you know, it was regular. Uh, you know, you get, you get discounts working at the grocery store. Um, I worked nights, so I was able to, uh, you know, go to school and, uh, you know, keep going to school as well as, you know, work, you know, maybe not a full time, you know, a full 40 hour week, but I could get, you know, a good 20 or 30 hours in, you know, working nights, stocking or doing things around the store. Uh, so yeah, so that was kind of my first job. And that's really where I started to think about, uh, you know, business and entrepreneurship in terms of, well, if they're paying me, you know, this many dollars an hour. Well, obviously, they're making more than that on me. So if they're paying me 10 they have to be making $15 an hour off of my labor. And that's really when I started to get the first ideas of, well, maybe I would like to be the one in charge. Maybe I would like to be the one that actually owns the business, hiring people, and then making money off of their labor as opposed to just being the one that's doing the labor. Right on. Well said. So next steps, like, um, like I remember at one point you told me you owned a putt putt. Was that, was that anywhere even near after, uh, going to school Well, and also having a near full-time job? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I, that's one of the other things also is I realized that, uh, as, as great as entrepreneurship is, you know, there's a lot to be said for stability. Um, and stability for me came in, uh, came in the form of a job, you know, working for the county, um, the county is never going to go out of business. You know, they may go bank. That's may go, right. May go bankrupt, but you know, the the government's always going to be there. Even Jeffco is still around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even after one what, one or two bankruptcies, that was that was crazy. Uh, so yeah, so I was looking for a place to give stability and give benefits and give you enough time off where you could pursue those other interests. Um, so one of the things that I really became attracted to early on was real estate and property because real estate and property it's uh you know it's it's a tangible investment it's not something where you're going to buy it one day and it's going to have zero value the next so i was very pleased with the idea of owning property because it would always have some intrinsic value to it so that's really where i where i you know began to make you know some of my somewhat somewhat fortune i guess was uh you know buying and selling properties you know out of school while i was working for the county and uh, interestingly enough, at the time, I became involved with a, a guy. He would help me locate properties that were, that were good to sell, good to sell, good to renovate, good to buy and, and, and resell. And about that time, this is when the, the market started to go south. So uh, 2007, 2008? Yeah, 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 around there. So at, at that time, uh, he basically realized that his business wasn't going to do very well or at least he didn't he didn't foresee a, a big future for it. So we had a discussion and I purchased his business from him. So I went from selling and sort of flipping houses to doing the the sort of the research side of it. And also I I saw that he was running a, a good operation, but it was essentially a one man shop. And I foresaw expanding that and really covering a larger territory, being able to do a higher volume. So I, after we purchased a business from him, kind of went over into doing the research side of it, 
and working with different insurance companies and mortgage companies. Uh, after a while, I grew, hired some employees, and, uh, and, and got it to a substantially larger operation so that it, it was doing substantially more than it had been when it was just a one-man show. Um, now, I do still have some rental properties, um, but what really enabled me to do what I did with Interstellar was opening up that, uh, that, real, estate re- that real estate research business. I am being able to, to go out and not only profit from my own work, but that of my employees. That, that's really where uh, you know, I had the wherewithal and the, and the funds to, to fund Interstellar. And go ahead and plug that business if you don't mind. Like, tell you us. mean Interstellar Ginger Beer and Exploration Company? Is that the one? <laughs> You're hilarious. I, I did mean your property business. Mm. Like, just in case any listener needs some property research well, done. Well, it's a reliable title and a reliable abstracting service. It's really a, a B2B thing. So, for instance, if you owned a mortgage company, you would know all about me. <laughs> but if you're just a regular guy walking around on the street, it's, a, it's, just, it's such a specialized business that it's not something that the, the regular, everyday consumer would know. Uh, but, yeah, so we do most of our business with, with lawyers' offices, insurance companies, mortgage companies. Uh, and we actually research the property before it goes through all the, uh, the technical aspects of getting a mortgage and, and actually closing on the sale or the refinance or, unfortunately, the foreclosure. So before a bank will fo- foreclose on your property, they'll hire a company like mine, will research it and find out exactly who they, who, the, who they owe money to, who they have and haven't paid, and whether or not they have a clear title to the property. Right on. So uh, can you go briefly into your putt-putt venture? Ah. Just, uh, this has always fascinated me, you owning a putt-putt. So before, uh, before the uh, market went bad, before I really got heavily into real estate, uh, I happened to own a miniature golf course. It was uh, one of the last miniature golf courses in the state of uh, Alabama, probably. And uh, it was called uh, Putt America. It was out in the Roebuck area. And I owned it for a few years. And it was, uh, once again, it was uh, the opportunity for me to see how business works, how how to relate to people, how people relate to business. And uh, I learned a lot about customer service at the time. I realized that having, uh, having an establishment isn't enough. You can't just have a place and expect people to come to it. You have to maintain it. You have to put energy into it. You have to put you know, your blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, make, it. make it a place where people, when they come up, they're, they're proud to be there. Um, you know, some places, if you have a monopoly on a product, you know, it doesn't really matter how you present yourself to the public. But, you know, in the case of where we're, we're, we're trying to give them a product where for entertainment, it's not something where they have to have it. I realize it's very important that you kind of put your best foot forward. And I kind of carry that same mentality over here, you know, to Interstellar in that, you know, I want everything to look just right. You know, all the details. I want, I want the place to feel welcoming. Well, it definitely feels like, uh, at, it at least feels as welcoming as like your best friend's basement. Ah, exactly. That's you know? that's uh, that's kind of what we're going for. That was like obsessed with science fiction and drinking. Nothing wrong with that. All right, so <clears throat> you got a little nut, a little egg that you've been saving in your pocket or your bank, whatever, for a second uh, from some investments, etc. And uh, your friend Shane. <laughs> calls you up one day and goes, Hey Daniel, 
I got this idea for a business. I want to buy. I want to buy a commercial building that is foreclosed on, so I can get it cheap and start a brewery. Well, the first thing I thought when you called up and said that was, ah, you and everybody else in Birmingham. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so basically, you were a, a unicorn hunter. You were out looking for that unicorn, just like everybody else. And there's not a lot of unicorns around. So I, I, I realized that, yeah, I don't know how this meeting is going to go, but it should be interesting. And then I met you, we started to talk, and uh, I realized that what you were talking about was really a, a revolution. I mean, the, the concept, especially at the time, what, four years ago, five years ago, I mean, ginger beer wasn't something that people were, were discussing. And so what you said was something very new, very different. And, you know, at the time, as much, as much then as now, breweries were a hot commodity. Uh, I had actually thought previously of investing in a brewery. So when you came up and mentioned that you had a brewery and it was this completely new idea, I was like, wow, this is a match made in heaven. And then when you tried it, what did you think then? Well, Shane, I'm sure you've mentioned this before because you mentioned it to everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much, I was a teetotaler. That's true. Uh, up until uh, my my uh, and up until my uh, alcoholic cherry was taken by uh, ginger beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was pretty much a teetotaler, man. Uh, but after those uh, that first few times, you and I brewing at the uh, you know down at the uh, down at our warehouse brewery, uh, yeah. I developed a, a real liking for it, and to this day, uh, I, I enjoy you know I enjoy a few other things, a few other brews I'll taste, but uh, ginger beer, you know, what we make is really the one that I'm hooked on. Excellent. <clears throat> so uh, let's talk about the early days of Interstellar. So Daniel and I talk, we meet, we pen a contract, we get everything rolling, we get um, paperwork done with the county, whatever for their business license. And uh, I had an old shed that I renovated into a yeast business to sell yeast to breweries called Southern Yeast and Research. And then what I didn't realize was that I would have to make 100-gallon batches of yeast in order for that business to, like, you know, make a batch of yeast that a, a good pitch for, like, a typical 30-barrel, which is, like, um, I don't know, 900 gallons of beer. I would need a hundred gallons to do that. And, uh, so my calculations were way off because had I known that it was a hundred gallons, I would have just started a brewery right away. <laughs> like what? <laughs> so you mean 10 gallons won't work? So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was fascinating. So Daniel and I started doing test batches in the shed and Daniel was absolutely the best a uh, brewer's assistant I've ever had. Uh, and, you know, hopefully Zach won't listen. Zach won't listen to this. Why would Zach listen to this? <laughs> he won't make it this far. Yeah, he, he was already yeah, bored. I've heard the important yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's got other things to do. But, um, but yeah, Daniel was uh, very detail-oriented, very on it, listened to what I said, and then did it. Um, and whenever I, like, corrected him on something, never got mad. He always just did it. He always just fixed it and did it. And, um, I just thought he was like, just, it was already the building blocks of a great partnership. I have to agree. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things that you're leaving out that I, I always like to mention to people is that, that the shed was basically the size of a large 
walk-in closet. <laughs> so when when, uh, when Shane and I looked around and found, you know, the our, our current location uh, on lovely Regency Park in Alabaster, uh, my first thought was, wow, what are we ever going to do with all this space? It was like a mansion. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, just, yeah, uh, moving on up, yeah, to the... Uh, yeah, to the de- deluxe apartment in the sky. Right, and now I trip over everything and everything. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so yeah, so you mentioned the Alabaster building. Uh, we did the build-out. We got um, we did everything as cheaply as possible that was allowed to be done uh, through the city, right? And so, some things that were kind of a gray area. Gray area, yeah. <laughs> So, like, uh, for instance, um, uh, as long as you are the owner of the building, you can do your own work, right, to Absolutely. the building. So, um, we got the owner of the building, who is not us, to give us their um, a power of attorney or whatnot right. over the building so that we could do our own work. So, we did our own work to the building. And uh, the work that we didn't do, we subbed out to our friend Alex, who yep. gave us a really good rate. And... Um, and we basically, and I was the electrician on the project. And a very good electrician. My yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, the best. Like, <laughs> um, I, that might be my next career after uh, brewing <laughs> beer. I might turn into an electrician. Who knows? And, um, so we had to do that. We had the fermenters on wheels. Oh yeah. That fermenters was, on wow. wheels. I mean, I, it was, it was nice when it lasted, but I was happy to see them go. Um, because the only problem with fermenters on wheels is that, they're fermenters and they're on wheels, and they're very heavy. Yeah, when you put you know put a thousand pounds on a, a pair of wheels, they're not gonna they're not gonna be rolling around for long. That's right. Yeah. So we got these fermenters on wheels, and um, let's see. I got a funny story. So this is one of my funny stories. So um, Daniel and I brewed a batch of beer, and um, we brewed a hundred gallons, and there was a brew fest in like a month. Right. So we're like, when are we going to get our ABC license? When are we going to get our ABC license? When are we going to get the license so that we can join this brew fest? Cause the brew fest is a super bowl and we wanted our beer there. It was a big time. That was our goal. Exactly. Get our beer in this brew fest. So, uh, it's like a month out of brew fest. We still don't get our license. <laughs> so we're like, Oh shit, we better start brewing some beer. <laughs> so, uh, so we brew a batch of beer and we thought there was like a gray area there. Like, we're not sure if it's legal to brew a batch of beer or not, you know? Right. But it wasn't like anybody's drinking it. So we figured, yeah, we'll just go ahead and brew it. Yeah. And we weren't going to sell any, we're no. going to give, give it out until after we got our license. Right. So this batch of beer <laughs> is in these fermenters on wheels. So we're like, yeah. So when we get inspected by the ABC, We'll just wheel them across the street to the construction yard <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll just put a tarp over and everything would be cool. Yeah, we'll just wheel 800 gallons or 800 pounds of beer. Yeah. We'll wheel it around the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, so that, uh, so we did that. We, we had a date with this guy to do just that. And so we wheeled it across the street and uh, he never showed up. Uh, he didn't mm. come. He didn't come out. He stood man. us up. Yeah. I know. He stood us up. So, um, so we wheeled the stuff back after we realized that he wasn't coming. <laughs> almost. And, yeah, almost <laughs> because the wheels of this thing were like all jagged up. <laughs> they, they got back, but they're all busted up. Yeah, they were definitely yeah. beyond their warranty period. 
Yeah, and uh, there was like a 15-gallon batch of like uh, molasses beer, you know, yeah. like dark oh, beer yeah. that we did. Yeah. And while I was pushing it back, <laughs> we lost like five gallons of beer in the parking lot. And oh, yeah. on my pants. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Delicious pants. Uh, so, yeah, we had a little uh, parking lot excitement there. Yeah. Do you even remember like when he came back, like what we did? I don't even remember. Uh, I think at that point we were just so fed up with the whole thing. Uh, and I don't think we did anything, did we? I think we might have like just finished the beer, put it in kegs, and they were just sitting there. That was it. Yeah. yeah they were just yeah. sitting there and yeah. we're like, yeah, they're empty. <laughs> didn't, yeah, he didn't even notice. I don't, he, he didn't even ask. He didn't care, yeah. dude. He was just taking pictures. Now, yeah. I, I do remember when we were showing him our fancy new cooler, how uh, we had the emergency escape patch on the cooler. <laughs> And uh, you happened to lock me in. Oh, yeah. I was going to get to that story. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Let me go ahead and cover that I, I one gonna, now. I was going to end with that with that bad boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So so we're uh, we're looking around the cooler. We're getting health inspected, first off. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We're getting health inspected, and we had an electrician expe- inspector coming at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And uh, it was very important that our cooler have uh, an escape hatch, you know, basically an escape latch. So when you, when you push it, you're able to get out. Now, our cooler, which we got at a great price, <laughs> had a, a escape latch that worked maybe 50% of the time. Yeah, I mean, you had to really push it in like this perfect area. But Daniel didn't realize this. Yeah, or give it a kung fu kick. <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. Let, let, me, let me tell him why you were in there to start with. So... Uh, so we just turned on the air conditioners because we didn't realize they wanted to know how cold the cooler yeah. was, right? So we just turned them on, and uh, so it wasn't cold enough yet. So uh, Daniel was fixing like the fins on the the, the air conditioning units. Yeah, or yeah, whatever. I think I was adjusting. Yeah, the you were cool adjusting box, yeah. them, and like we closed the door <laughs> on him so it would get cold, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it did get cold. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, so I'm I'm worried. I'm thinking like, okay, so Shane has just locked me in the cooler. If I go over here and I start whacking this thing and it doesn't open, they're not gonna like certify us. They're gonna they're gonna like close us down or something. I'm thinking they're gonna like, you know, say our cooler is unsafe. So I'm like, okay, now I can go over here and whack this cooler, or I can just walk around in here and just act like I'm measuring some stuff. <laughs> so I'm walking around in this cooler acting like I'm measuring walls and measuring things. And I do this for 20 minutes, and I begin to wonder, like, okay, did Shane just forget about me? So after about 20 minutes, I hear the door open, and immediately I just, like, you know, have my tape measure out. I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is long enough. Oh, all right, guys, well, I, I guess I'm done in here. As, as I'm he shivering me madly. Like 10 times. Oh, like yeah, 10 yeah, or 15 yeah. times. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm on my, it's 20 degrees in here. Come let me out now. Uh, but yeah, Shane, I was I was a little bit uh, a little bit worried uh, a little bit worried. He was uh, perturbed, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. I didn't know what was going on because I had uh, the health inspectors that we were going all over the place on what they wanted done to fix the brewery, and uh, then the electrician came in and he didn't give a shit. Like he just came in and like left, and uh, so I was dealing with all that. Totally forgot that Daniel was in the cooler. Had no idea that he couldn't get out or nothing. <laughs> So anyway, when we opened the cooler and they finally tested the temperature and it was fine because like we got down to forty degrees. Oh yeah, and he, he was definitely, in there. definitely forty yeah. degrees. Yeah, so he was in there, and uh, so that all worked. I didn't know anything was wrong. So Daniel <laughs> comes out and he goes, Shane. <laughs> he goes, Shane. This is the first words he said to me after everybody left. Shane, now don't laugh. And I go, what? 
And he goes, don't laugh. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, you left me in the cooler for like 30 minutes. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I laughed so loud. I couldn't believe it. I was trying not to. But, oh, my goodness. That's just ridiculous. Well, looking back on it now, it's easy to laugh. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was just so stupid. Um, but we passed with flying but colors. But hey, yeah, I was gonna say we got uh, we got through it, uh, got through it one piece. Uh, like I said, with flying colors, and ironically enough, what was it? Six, eight months later, we got rid of the cooler. Yeah, we did. We got some temperature control finally. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we were. That was a hilarious story. But we we're building up to Brewfest. We uh, we did the wheels across the street. We brought them. We brought the yeah. beer back. Got it in kegs. Got it to the beer fest. Um, what do you remember about the beer fest? Wow. I got to tell you, well, it was our first one. And it's like you said, it was, it was at the time and it's, I guess it still is the biggest one in Birmingham. Uh, so we're really happy to be there. Uh, and it was great. The reception was amazing. I, I remember we ran out of t-shirts. We had people trying to buy t-shirts off our backs. Uh, so, I mean, the people loved, loved our beer and, uh, just a great reception overall. Uh, so I guess the, the the thing I remember most is just that huge line and your wife and mine in their super hot interstellar ginger outfits. <laughs> skin, super sexy space babes. Exactly. Skin tight, silver with, uh, well, in, in the case of, of Alice and my wife, she had a redhead wig on, but uh, Shane's wife, Lee, is a natural redhead, so all natural. True and, story. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was really great. The, uh, they love the beer and they love the hot space babes. Yeah, <clears throat> I also had um, all like my best friends in from uh, Dallas, Texas, because it was my bachelor party. Oh yeah, remember? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We decided to make that my bachelor party. We went out after that and uh, had a lot of fun, man. <laughs> had a lot of fun. That was beautiful. Um, and then I got married the next week. Congratulations again. Wait, wait was it the next? No, it wasn't the next week. Anyway, we started the brewery. We had opening day, and then I went. Then I got married the next week, right? Yeah, that's yeah. how it happened. So I guess maybe technically at what at at the time she wasn't your wife, but she was still a hot space babe, super sexy space babe. So um, yeah, that was a good um, background over at Brewfest. I, I thought we killed it. We had long lines. Everybody was really digging it, um, and the colada. Oh colada, yeah, colada, colada, colada. Colada like, always kills wanted it. Colada, and it always kills at every Brewfest we've ever been to. I mean, Colada especially was popular, but I, our beer, the style of beer we brew, uh, anytime the weather is over 75 degrees, uh, our, our beer is just the thing to drink. I mean, it's cool, it's light, it's crisp, it's refreshing, and it will get you buzzity buzz buzzed. Absolutely. So I think it must have been like, what, a month later, and we had opening day at the brewery, September yeah, that 9th? Was, that was, yeah, I think that was it. September yeah, 9th, yeah. yeah. Opening day, <laughs> rocket day. Rocket Day. So the story behind the rocket is, do you want to tell the story? How uh, we got, yeah, how we yeah, got the yeah. story? You go ahead and introduce how we got it. Well, you know, so my nephew Jonathan was actually on the, the rocket, uh, like the rocket team, I think, in, in high school. So I thought, hey, you know, let's, uh, you know, make a little, uh, you know, make a little, <laughs> make a, you know, make a good impression on everyone and uh, kind of, you know, recruit the family to help. So I got Jonathan to build a uh, life-size, well, maybe not life-size, but man-sized rocket, about six feet tall. I think it was massive. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, yeah, I think it was huge. And uh, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we had this huge rocket launch at the grand opening? 
Uh, so he did it in you know, interstellar colors. It was you know red, yellow, black, blue. Uh, really big, really impressive. They got the whole launch set up and everything ready to go. The engines. And then we got ready for the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And nothing. Dud. Yeah, nothing at all. Uh, so unfortunately, there was a short in the system. Uh, Jonathan addressed it. Got back no, in no, there. No, 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 it wasn't a short. <clears throat> what what had happened? The I'd... motors were all duds. Oh, that yeah, was we, it. We had yeah. three motors that we. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we did the countdown three times. Yeah, three times. Three unsuccessful launches, and yep. like he had this super cool little launch box, all the stuff. We had the mayor there. That oh yeah, was, yeah. Uh, Marty Hanlon, the mayor of Alabaster, was there to touch the launch button. Yep. And all three times there were duds. Like we were, <laughs> it was heartbreaking. It was heart. It was heartbreaking. Tough. It was really tough. And uh, so then, like we're like Jonathan, hey, go to the store, bro. Right. Hey, but the fourth time. <laughs> I mean, everyone was like, okay, we'll do it one more time. No, 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 Jonathan went to the rocket store. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He went, he but when he came back, back, and that was the fourth time, and he was like, okay, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and that on that, when he got to one, it launched. It was, uh, yeah, it was like amazing. It was awesome. And uh, it trailed, uh, I don't know, maybe a good quarter mile away from the brewery, like with the wind. We did not find it. And to good, this day, and good riddance. It is still missing. <laughs> good riddance, you damn rocket. <laughs> that thing was a bastard. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was a, that was an awesome time. And you remember, you actually got a, a picture of the launch uh, for our second anniversary. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. I got. I, I eventually found video footage of it too. That, really nice that, video footage. I was going to say that video yeah. footage was really great. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, you should maybe put it up with this uh, podcast. Uh well the podcast is uh over the airwaves and not over the video waves. Good point. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know how we're gonna do that one, but um I will definitely include the Miko soundtrack of you. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's locked inside the cooler, bro. <laughs> I will definitely include that song. Well, hey, let me give a quick plug to our uh our our uh IG account. So uh, Interstellar is on Instagram, so uh, check us out. And Shane, uh, part of his uh, part of, part of his assignment for the evening will be to dig up that old rocket footage. And uh, hey, go ahead and repost it, man. Uh, go ahead and repost it, and everybody can uh, check it out. I can probably find it, but it'll take me a few days to get that done. <clears throat> um, so Daniel Sims, um, how are things going at the brewery? What position do you think we're currently in? And well, Shane, you know, man, it's just like with everybody else. Uh, as a matter of fact, not just everybody else, but every other brewery specifically. I mean, we're kind of in a holding pattern because uh, we are currently experiencing coronavirus, uh, you know, COVID-19. And uh, especially living in the state of Alabama, you have a lot of skeptical people. Um, but the bottom line is, it's something that we, you know, we have to take seriously. And uh, since you and I both being men of science, you know, we realize that it's something that... Uh, you know, we have to do to protect the public. So, so right now we're just kind of in a holding pattern. You know, bef- before the virus hit, you know, we're really on a st- kind of steady path of expansion. We're trying to get to new territories. You know, we want to eventually cover not just the entire state of Alabama, but the entire southeast. So we've had to pull back a little bit, you know, from our from our plans. Uh, but 
I see uh, once things are stabilized, you know, once the coronavirus passes, I think we'll be able to resume our pattern of growth and expansion. But the most important thing that we've been able to do that unfortunately other businesses haven't is we've been able to stay afloat. We've been able to make enough money to keep our bills paid, keep our employees, uh, keep our employees paid, and uh, basically keep the lights on. And sadly enough, there are a lot of businesses uh, which haven't been able to do that. Yeah, true. <clears throat> um, and now I will say kind of a, a plug once again to, to our, our joint business acumen is that, you know, when we started this, we never wanted to go into a lot of debt. You know, we never had the idea that we were going to get a lot of financing, get a lot of partners that were going to look for a quick payback. And that's what I think really helped us weather this this COVID storm is that we haven't had a lot of debt service. We haven't had a lot of people coming to us with their hand out for money, except for the landlord. Extremely low overhead. How to make it in business during COVID-19. Absolutely. Get rid of all your overhead and you can still have a business. Bingo. <clears throat> Predictions for the future. What do you think? Well, you know, it's like I said, uh, basically when COVID-19 hit, it's kind of like a pause button. And once that pause button is lifted, I think we're going to continue playing that awesome interstellar song. Uh, we're going to continue to expand. Uh, I want to see us get, uh, I mean, we're, we're currently, we have statewide distribution, just a few small places, a few small markets we're not into. So, of course, our next goal is going to be to, you know, get, go out of state, Georgia, you know, some of the large markets like Atlanta, Nashville up in Tennessee. Uh, of course, you know, one of your stomping grounds, good old New Orleans, uh, which, you know, I'd love to see us move into. And, of course, uh, you know, we talked earlier about how we were really having some issues with size. And as big as we thought this place was when we moved into it, it's gotten pretty small. Uh, so, you know, that might be something in the future, too. You know, maybe looking at a, at a larger facility. Larger facility, more beer sales. <clears throat> maybe uh, uh, what goes hand-in-hand hand with that is just more education about the product getting in more people's mouths and stuff, which has been a hindrance during COVID. Like, you guys, my entertainment squad, which is made up of Daniel... <laughs> and Teresa, for the most part, and any random person that wants to drink beer and give beer <laughs> to uh, to unsuspecting strangers. Well, now, now, shout out to Allison. Allison has been uh, really, really great. She's really consistent, uh, really dependable. Allison is Daniel's wife. For those at home, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but she's been she's been a bit, real big part of it too. Uh, she really enjoys it. Uh, so it's really nice being able to have somebody you can uh, rely on if I'm tied up, or if maybe, I, or sometimes we'll even have multiple events on the same day especially back in the day when we were able to have events. Uh, you know, we could have a beer festival in Birmingham and a beer festival in Auburn, you know, the same day. And it could get pretty uh, could get pretty crazy. All right, changing the subject a little bit, Daniel. What is your favorite beer that Interstellar does? Wow. Hmm. <laughs> you don't have to have just one. You can you can mention several if you want. I mean, it would it, honestly, it would probably be easier to mention the ones that I like least, <laughs> as opposed to the ones I like best. Because uh, I mean, there each one has something to really recommend it, depending on the circumstance. Uh, if I'm if I'm sitting around relaxing, uh, something like a ginger colada, uh, you know, something really like smooth and sweet, you know, is really nice to have. You know, if, if you're just gonna be sipping it by itself. Uh, with food, uh, our beers pair amazingly well with food. Uh, with sushi, first contact. Uh, 
if I'm looking for a maybe Mexican food or Space Mule, the spicy one, it's really great. I don't know what it is, but pizza and strawberry sour, that's a match made in heaven. And not just for me, but for Mellow Mushroom. Mellow Mushroom in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, both the Mellow Mushrooms down there, they carry a strawberry sour, and people love it with pizza. Uh, and um, I, I got to say, we just uh, we have something for everybody. Every taste that you have, we can accommodate. Any um, any questions? Uh, anything else on your mind that you uh, you want to talk about? Well, I got to say, Shane, I want to compliment you. So our our latest Shane's latest creation is our Peach Me I'm Dreaming Sour, and uh, Shane, it's great. I mean, I've, I've been drinking a lot of it lately. And uh, you really did a number with the, the, the way the sour kind of affects the sweetness of the peach. So you still get that sweetness, but that sour really moderates it. And I can drink gallons. <laughs> well, thank you very much, sir. I love how you think it was like a well thought out process. And I just throw shit together and uh, <laughs> just hope that it worked out and uh, that it would taste good. Yeah. Well, Shane, a, a well thought process to you is basically throwing shit together so yes <laughs> there you go daniel sims is a pleasure to have you on this podcast today sir uh you want the last words hey shane as always uh anytime we get to spend together and hang out and talk about ginger beer is a good day so hey everybody listening interstellar ginger beer and exploration company shane kelly and i'm daniel sims signing off adios
Take a sip, take a sip, space mule, yeah. Take a sip, take a sip, ginger and tonic. Take a sip, take a sip, ginger and tonic. Take a sip, take a sip, brew it up, yeah. street smoking endo sipping on ginger juice biatch